I'm Zeke Binion. And I'm Matt Rich. I'm a product designer and founder of CodeForDesigners.com. I'm a front-end developer at TableXI, a UX design and software development company located in Chicago. And this is Product Ship FM, a show about what it takes to design and build products that people love to use. So Zeke, tell me a story about a, a project. Yeah, so um, I have a few stories about projects. Um, most of them don't start well. Um, I was working on this project for a company who I won't name at all, um, and it was clear like they had an idea. They, you know, they're a startup. They're young. They really um, felt like they wanted to get into the business of uh, disrupting an industry, as all startups want to do, and. What they hadn't realized is they hadn't really thought out much else about their product. They had an idea, but they didn't really understand their users. They didn't really understand um, the technology involved because this person was fairly new to doing projects in general with technology. Um, They didn't really even understand project management, um, planning. the, The best piece of information that they could give us was simply, here's this idea we have. Let's go forward. Um, and th- so that resulted in a lot of lot of problems. The uh, tech team ended up doing a lot of starts and stops. They didn't really know uh, what direction the product was going in, so it made it very difficult for them to stick to a solid tech stack. Uh, for me, I um, really I think my my role there was initially to take over front end development of all things, and I ended up becoming their UX lead by uh, showing them a little bit about project management, a little bit about user interviews, and really just trying to help them understand, you know, all the things they should really go through. This is something that, that if, if, if we're, you're doing work in this space as a designer, as a developer, um, project manager, anything really related, you felt, you felt this before. You felt this like uh, someone comes to you, a client comes to you and says, hey, I have this idea for this thing. Um, let's build it. Um, and there's there's just a lot of questions. There's a lot of issues that <laughs> that that come up when you start down that path without uh, without checking some boxes first. And and you and I know we've worked on projects together where we've experienced this. And and some projects are varying different different levels of what you know. We don't know enough things about the project, about the user, about uh, what we need to build before we even get started. But we yeah, we're getting started anyway. So that that's really the that's the that's the topic of the day, right? Uh, yeah. It's kind of it's it's interesting when you you end up in those scenarios. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a consultant and and frequently do freelance work, so I should feel great about being in those scenarios because you certainly make a lot of money from them. Um, you're you're you know spending a lot of hours helping someone understand really what is this thing that they had an idea for. What like what are the actual steps to go through? Um, and that takes more time. But for me, I feel sort of horrible in those scenarios because I feel like we're wasting that person's money. And if they had spent a little more time um, up front trying to understand more um, about their users or more about the technology and really defining the project well, uh, we could move through things pretty efficiently. Right. It's almost worse when, when someone has the the resources to actually spin and and you do waste you waste a lot of time it doesn't seem like you're wasting time when you're actually building something but when you end up building the wrong thing three four or five times over and over again you know then all of a sudden you get backwards really quickly yeah so let's talk about this from um kind of from two angles and i think probably we're we're going to overlap a lot here 
Well, let's talk about this this idea of what happens when we don't have the information that we need, uh, and we're starting to build a project. We're starting, you know, the project is starting. Um, what happens, you know, from from the designer's perspective, from the developer's perspective, and how do those how do those overlap in the scenario that that kind of comes up so often? Yeah, I think all those things we need. Usually, the info revolves around uh, technical limitations and uh, sort of user needs. I mean, business needs. But when when you start to dive into them, you you really see sort of how it plays out in the decisions throughout the course of the project. You know, as a designer, I think one of the things I need to understand, and, you know, it's not a surprise. I'm a user experience designer. As your users. What are the scenarios they're, they're really in when they're using this stuff? What technical things do they have in place? You know, are they working from laptops? Are they working from tablets? Are they you know, wearing big fuzzy gloves because they're working outdoors <laughs> while they're using this stuff? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, understanding your users is, I mean, that's probably, we could like, we could talk about that probably for an hour just, just alone, right? It, yeah. I think to put a finer point on it is that a lot of times the person that is initiating the project thinks they know their users even, but in reality, maybe they don't. I know that yeah. I've seen that play out several times where someone will come in and say, yep, this is the exact person that we're, we're building this for. This is These are their problems. Um, and then here's the solution that's going to just make their world better. And you go, okay. And, uh, you know, you start down the path and then you kind of realize like, oh, actually you, th- you thought that was the problem, but that's actually like a, you know, <laughs> that, that's a, that's a different, that that's related to it, but it's not, that's not the core problem, you know? So yeah, interestingly, even though you might have, you think you have some of that information, I think it is sort of upon the project team, the designer probably a little bit more heavily to figure it out really what the problem is, really what the user actually needs. Yeah, I, you know, I think part of it is, uh, as a designer, a lot of times I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm a really good method actor. And so what I mean by that is I can design almost anything, um, but I really need to get in the head of your user and understand what they're going through in order to make sure I'm giving them the right solution at that time. You know, what happens when I don't hit that mark typically is um, in a sort of a medium scenario, if, you know, if I'm only a little bit off, you see sort of mediocre adoption, right? You're not seeing the growth in your product that you want. You're not, users aren't really gravitating towards it in the way that you hoped for or expected. Um, you're not seeing that sort of hockey stick of growth. Right. It's not a failure, but it's kind of like you sort of have this feeling like what? people aren't grasping this. They're yeah, not using this quite like I think they should. I know, you know, there's that weird like, you didn't totally miss, but you missed enough to be like a little bit like suspicious of like what what happened? What why did why did this not work? Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of feels um, <laughs> this is sort of a, a, a interesting example, but to me it kind of feels like the Apple Watch. Like it's a great product, but I don't think it's really solving a particular need for a lot of people, and so you're not seeing you know, the rapid, like, iPhone-like success of the thing. You, you can see this across the board in lots of examples, whether it's apps or industrial design things like the Apple Watch or um, even some of the uh, newer fangled tech like the, uh, you know, those motorized segways or unicycles or hoverboards. When you're not really in that sweet spot of uh, true need for a user, it's very hard for them to just people to just go. This is the perfect thing for me. 
it's sort of like this is this is good enough and maybe I'll get it maybe I won't yeah and I think with especially with newer things and like you know your your initial example with re- relating to a startup uh, if you're genuinely in that space you're going to kind of be guessing a little bit at least yeah. yeah like there's always a little bit of a of of a of of gray area around who you think your user is I think uh, um yeah and you learn things as your as your products out there and stuff like that so we can't discount that yeah, but I but I think there is sort of this like Trojan horse that happens a lot um, in in the consulting world at least or freelance work probably as well is that you know someone they the the sort of like I know my user I really know I, I know this person <laughs> is and I have seen that happen a lot and a lot and, <laughs> and that that's where you get in that point where we kind of like we were talking about just a bit ago where you sort of hit the mark but not you're just quite you're not quite there you're off a little bit and you just the product is doing fine but not like you want it to be not like you think that the you know there's more potential here somewhere um, yeah. and it, that's hard it's really hard to shake that because you can't it's hard to devote resources to sort of solving the problem when it's doing when you feel like you're doing okay yeah um, it didn't you didn't totally miss the mark so it, it it's a really weird place to be in, and I think it's a really common place that you end up in when you're when you're talking about you know who are who the users are for a project, and that's actually honestly a, a I'm trying to think if that's is that a better scenario? Do you think where someone has this perception of who their users are and at least are you know are, are sort of on the mark or <laughs> coming in with with no idea really um, and and trying to move forward without that knowledge? Oh, it's tough, right? It's, you, you sort of. You know, on the face of it, you could say someone who doesn't have any knowledge about their users is a person who's willing to learn and probably is going to learn uh, new things and learn the right things. But also, you kind of need someone uh, in a decision-making position on a project who you know has some understanding of where they want the product to go, what is right for their particular market, because that's also going to help you make some decisions faster. So I think Certainly best is they completely understand our users. I think the most important thing there is for to have a stakeholder who um, understands and wants to continuously learn from their users, regardless of how much information they know already. Because uh, I think it's that stubbornness that you run up against where uh, a stakeholder says, you know, I know my users and I'm not interested in learning more. Um, that's where I think you get into danger. Yep, agreed, hundred percent. So here's the question: Then how do you, how do you get yourself out of that situation? Um, I think that's a fairly common one to be in, where a stakeholder does think that they know their users very well, and they probably do, but there's likely a lot of nuance and and some some things there that they 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 just straight up don't know about their users, um, and are not willing to spend the time and energy and resources yeah. <laughs> to to dig up that information. So what I mean, I've I've experienced some strategies. I think that that have been pretty successful in this. In the past, have you have you come upon any sort of strategies for getting that information from those types of stakeholders, from those types of clients? Yeah, I think um, to making um, some of your design process non-optional. And so what I mean by that is I ran into a lot of scenarios where the stakeholder isn't willing to commit to predefined set of user interviews. Let's interview a bunch of users up front. Um, I don't think that's unheard of for a client to go, no, I don't want to spend the money um, interviewing all of these users. Um, so what I end up doing sometimes is just getting them to commit to, well, sure, we can figure out how to do this later, but the thing we really need to commit to is you know, putting things in f- that we've designed in front of those users and then getting them to react to it. 
a lot of times I can, I sort of use that as my Trojan horse. Uh, it's sort of, you know, like a usability test mixed with a customer interview. And a lot of times that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to work from the uh, business's assumptions uh, as long as you're happy for me to test those assumptions. You know, we can, we can sort of build a prototype based on uh, what, the, what the business thinks their users want. Um, but ultimately, we've got to go back and prove that that's true. Yeah, you need to get buy-in from from the stakeholder that that this yeah. is a valid thing that we need to to go down. And I think what you're talking about might hit the mark for some uh, for some stakeholders, maybe not others. I think I've I've sort of seen we've tried to bring more stakeholders into the uh, the really early stages of projects more often. Um, and sort of made that like you, I think the, the point of making something non-optional of like this is how we do things, yeah, um, is a pretty important one, and you kind of have to stick to your guns in in a lot of situations. I think um, because I think once the once the stakeholder once the client experiences that like um, I thought I knew everything, and now I I just realized that I really don't. Yeah, once they experience that little like light bulb moment. And that can be, you know, uh, we've used uh, at TableXI, we've used the Google Ventures uh, Sprint as a bit of a framework for building our own structure. And, and ZQ had a lot of impact on on building that at our company. And that brings the stakeholder in very early. And yeah. I've seen I've seen it on people's faces where, you know, they kind of are sort of dismissive initially about being in this thing. But because we sort of said that they had to, you know, they're going to show up and put the time in and whatever. That's fine. And then as soon as they see like, oh, God, I really don't know what I thought I knew about my users. <laughs> then it just changes everything. The, just the mindset's gone. Um, then all of a sudden you have all this leeway to, to gather that information because the, the impact. And I think here's the other point that I wanted to hit is that the impact of getting that wrong is substantial. Yeah. So there's a giant cost to missing the mark, um, you know, about who you're building this thing for and why you're building it. And, and, and that's not trivial to a yeah. lot of, to a lot of stakeholders. So if you could actually say like, listen, if you, if we build this for the wrong thing, it's going to cost you, you know, X amount of dollars of rework at least, you know, to sort this out, or you, maybe they just don't even have another shot to do it because they, you know, yeah. had, had one, uh, one budget to do this and that's it. So, I mean, that, that's also pretty impactful too, but I think you got to, you have to figure out that way to like flip that switch, um, in, in the stakeholders so that they realize that how important this is. And then all of a sudden you get the space to, to actually do all of the work, all of the design work to actually get those, that information that you need. And that's different for every project and all that kind of stuff. But you got to get them in the right mindset, you know? Yeah. Certainly to add to that, I think part of what I've encountered before was also doing a, a sprint with people who were more used to quantitative research. Uh, so quantitative versus qualitative. Quantitative being uh, maybe let's do a survey or let's look at big sets of data to uh, examine you know, a, something that's happening. Uh, qualitative being more so let's have a conversation with the people to or observe the people and really just understand it from a almost sort of like a a visceral sort of gut level. Like we, we truly get this. We were doing a sprint with a, a you know a military guy from uh, West Point. He was in a you know, a new business at this time. Um, and we told him you know we're going to do five user interviews, and this is the first week, which I, I think is great because um, I would argue that another 
key point to this is doing all of it very quickly, helping them very rapidly to get to the point where they're questioning their own, what they really truly do know. Uh, which For is, sure. Yeah. Which is great about those sprints. So we get to day, uh, I think we were in day one, and we're just giving them an overview of what we're going to go through in this process. At the end of the week, we're going to talk to five people and only five people and try to understand if this product is going to work. This military guy was so used to looking at, you know, lots of data. Um, he was like, you know, I feel like I can learn more from a Qualtrics survey than uh, talking to five people. But the day we made him sit there and listen to these people and understand what his users really were trying to convey to him, he said, oh, I get it. Yeah, we can come back and do this survey later, but this was more valuable than any of the surveys I've done. There's something too about about including people in this process and making them commit to just observing uh, their actual users or observing uh, people interact with their ideas that really changes the way they think about things. Yeah, very true. And I've I've seen that too. We I uh, I was on a project that was sort of uh, re- redesigning um, uh, a particular uh, portion of their web app actually, and. Uh, we had done some, the team had done some early like uh, usability testing on the existing product and they recorded all of them. And then we all as a team with the stakeholder, with the, the development team, the designers all watched some of these uh, user testing sessions together. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was, that was pretty eye opening both from both for the stakeholder because it's sort of the same idea of like, you kind of, I don't know, there's a different feel to those sort of that qualitative um, analysis where you kind of, I don't know, like if someone, you, someone might be able to like complete the task that you're trying to get them to complete, mm-hmm. but there might be some pain points along the way that your quantitative analysis is not going to totally uncover. So you can yeah. see them struggle with something and go, Oh, you know, it kind of, it kind of hits <laughs> you like, Oh man, they're struggling with that. I can fix that. You know, yeah. that I didn't, I, I didn't know that that was a thing that they were struggling with. So there's those little, those little points where, you know, maybe the quantitative analysis likes, Oh, they completed the task. Great. Checkbox. Um, but really there are some speed bumps along the way that you don't really know until you sort of see that. Um, and I wanted to actually kind of that, that point made me think about, uh, looping developers into this flow. Yeah. Uh, you know, people that are building the product, building the thing early on, as well, because we focused a little bit on the decision makers here, um, but I think involving developers in this process has a really similar effect too. Um, yeah. The the example that I just brought up is is a very specific one where I, being a developer on that team, uh, and I can, you know I can speak for myself, but I could see in you know in the in the other team members that the similar like, oh, <laughs> I didn't, you know those sort of like oh wow I didn't I oh holy cow I and then you kind of you can sort of and then. Once you see that and you see who these users are, like you have this like a little bit more of like a personal connection to them. Yeah. When you're building the thing and, and you know, organizing tasks and prioritizing things and all that stuff that comes a little bit later, you have this in the back of your mind who this user is and you have a little bit more of a specific person in mind that you're building for, um, rather than like a you know, a persona sheet or something like that, which yeah. is supposed to try to convey that to some degree. But actually being involved in some of this testing and seeing the testing and all that stuff, even at like the tiny little levels that we were we just watched a few like little snippets of some user testing. Yeah. It, it was enough to change mentalities across the board and it's had an impact on, on it had an impact on the project for going forward for months. You know, like it just it's something that locks into it to to the team. And Yeah. I think having the team observe does something interesting where 
I feel like a lot of people um, are sort of intellectualizing what a design should be or what a product should be. They, I have this opinion, and that opinion probably is right. I think that mentality switches when you actually watch people use it. It switches from, here's my opinion, to no, no, that's really what Brenda needs. Right. Like kind of a side benefit of, of, of this, I think, as well, is that um, I mentioned sort of, you know, going forward in the project and how this can be impactful. Um, it ends up clearing up a lot of cruft around discussing um, like uh I don't I don't know want to use this term like writing a story or a task or, or what whatever your system is to building a product. Yeah. Um you know you'll you'll have this chunk of work that you're going to build this feature and what happens a lot of times at least when you don't have this information or when some of this information is hazy you end up in these scenarios where where a developer will pick up this task and say you know read the the requirements or whatever it was part of it. it's like that doesn't really i don't think that makes sense, total total sense to me i don't that that's not how this gets used exactly i'm yeah. going to make my own little adjustment or you end up in this all of a sudden a, a, a thing that you discussed you know a month ago comes up in the queue and then you're in this like new debate about this thing and you end up wasting a bunch of time trying to sort out <laughs> how this is actually going to work what this user really wants to do is that right is it not right anymore what we yeah. know different you know like all of a sudden you've spent like days trying to sort out this this feature and then on the flip side then when you have this information backing it um that we're talking about including that in as part of the task or the story um adds this like really interesting context around it so then when you're when you're reading the story as a developer picking up um you know this task or story to to work on i can say like that seems a little bit weird oh okay this was tested you know here's the business context here's like you know including that extra information about why we're doing this and what we've learned and things like that it just it sort of just removes you just sort of go like oh okay i guess this is vetted i i'm my what i thought was a little bit off so cool let's yeah this makes sense like (laughs) boom i mean and that that little, that simple interaction there, and you know, it might be a little chat between, you know, other team members or something. But essentially, you've you've made that that little that building part so much more efficient, and yeah. and that really starts to multiply as you're doing this over and over again. When people, when when your team is trusting the information that is being presented to them, rather than trying to figure it out as they're building it. Oh God, I mean, just orders of magnitude <laughs> more efficient. Yeah, and you can just cruise, and and everybody's on the same page, and there's no like. I mean, sometimes you'd end up in a place where it's like, I don't think this is right. Well, I do. Well, I don't know. Ah, forget it. I guess yeah. we'll just do it this way. You know, and you end up with these like kind of tensions in the team that you don't need to deal with. But when you when it's all yeah. based by this information, you just all that's gone. You just cruise right through them. Um, and at least you might it might not be perfect, but at least you there's like we're we're coming from a common place of understanding, and I think that's the maybe the big point. I think so. I I'd add to that though that it doesn't just make you efficient looping in developers into this understanding of the users also a lot of times generates ideas that you might not have thought about as a designer because you're you're working with people who are just they're in the technology you know maybe you're creating a three-step process uh, because you, you you think that's the right thing for onboarding and you know you need to make this smaller well you know a developer might understand ways they can either obtain more information without the user like inputting it or just come up with a totally different idea for solving this thing that's still pretty valid because they understand what the user really needs for sure for sure and i think that sort of leads into 
uh, tech limitations, mm. what those are. And I, I was just actually, as you were talking about that, I was actually thinking about it conversely from where I was originally going to going to go with this. In that, I, I've we've I've, I've seen the scenario, and I've I've been part of this where someone who's designing, for example, like a, a process, like your maybe a three step process to do whatever. Um, maybe they're designing it in that way because they're assuming that there is some sort of tech limitation that's going to make it more difficult to actually yeah. build uh, when in reality the opposite may or may not be true. Yeah. So like maybe the thing that they really want to to put in front of their users is turns out to be the easier thing though maybe it doesn't seem like it, you know. Yeah. I think that happens that happens quite a bit. So there's another key point there in having having designers developers working together uh, as early and as often as possible because then you you uncover those things just left and right like yeah oh, here i'm going to design it like this because i i'm pretty sure it's more difficult to do it the other way oh no it's super easy to do it the other way let's just do that that makes everybody happy perfect you know <laughs> there you go we just solved the problem in 15 seconds versus you know building the wrong thing that was more difficult yeah in the end so um yeah so that i think that under understanding your tech limits is a really important thing and that's a that, that's a giant landmine yeah um for multiple reasons it's interesting I, I get put into this position a lot um because i'm both a technologist and a designer i often get the uh, sort of weirder projects the ones where it's like oh we have a really complicated tech stack we also have a complicated process oh i don't think i can actually legally talk about that one um <laughs> Uh, but you know, I get I get these things where it's sort of like one or two people in in a giant corporation may actually use this thing, and there's only three giant corporations in the world that do this. Uh, <laughs> it's a very specific problem. For yeah, they're yeah. very specific <laughs> problems. They have very specific tech issues. Um, that that's sort of my my niche at this moment. What you find a lot in these projects, though, is that no one's had a real discussion about the tech involved. Uh, for example, maybe you're collecting uh, machine faults um, for you know companies the size of like uh, oh, John Deere or Caterpillar or something like that. So what I mean by machine faults is imagine you have a robot that's like building a car and every now and then it just makes a mistake placing a screw. You understanding when it's going to make that mistake is really important. It might give you a clue to uh, when is this machine going to go down. Um, so you're looking at these faults in the thousands or millions because it's a machine just going back and back and forth. Having that much data is problematic to work with sometimes. And so understanding like you know how much of this data can I display? Uh, how much? How long is this request going to take to get the information I need? If you take it into more of a consumer facing example. You know, maybe you're just doing something as simple as I need to connect with uh, like Instagram or Facebook uh, to pull out specific information or to post specific information. Like a lot of the way you connect to different APIs or to uh, different pieces of technology in the stack might change the way you consider creating an entire flow, like an onboarding flow where someone's signing up. There's a lot of potential to get that wrong, especially if you don't really truly understand how the technology is going to interact with your with your app. For sure. And that's another, again, that, I mean, I think we're coming back a lot of the, to a lot of this is just getting this information that, that we want is involving more people in the process yeah. because then we can uncover sort of some of these issues, limitations, whatever, earlier. Um, 
I think that's very true. And you know, something else that we've that I've seen personally is, is sort of a lack of understanding, to, total understanding on maybe like um, an, an integration with a, a a current system or something. Mm, like yeah, that. yeah. You might hear the the something along the lines of of well, we can it we can do whatever we can handle whatever. <laughs> that's my favorite. Don't, don't let that don't let our system constrain you. Sort of stuff. When you hear that, that should be a giant flag going. Whoop. Nope, we need to make sure that we're on the same page here and understand everything. Because while theoretically, yeah, that might be true, we can do whatever. What the whatever might not actually fit within the <laughs> budget or the resources or the the um you know timeline or whatever. So there's all sorts of it's an equation that you're sort of fiddling around with, and then to really uh, <laughs> find the sweet spot, you need to understand all that information. You need to know all that stuff. So. Yeah. When you when you hear phrases like that, that is a huge indicator that you need to go digging more to make yeah. sure that you understand it. And you may end up in the exact same place where you where you they thought you would end up, which is awesome. But I'm pretty sure you're going to end up in a place where you're like, oh, this is different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um. And then you can and then you make choices. Then you were you know then as a designer, you're going to make some different choices in how you design the 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 system. As mm-hmm. a developer, you're going to make some tech choices as to how you build the system, and those two play together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking of a specific project um, that had an integration with Salesforce uh, that actually we both worked on. Um, and I remember we, we walked into the room with that understanding. It's what our client probably literally told us. I, I, we might be able to quote it word for word as don't let our tech limit you. <laughs> um, and I think I redesigned the sign up process about five times because of that. <laughs> right, <laughs> specifically because of of a limitation. And it, when we say limitation, it's not like the the point here is that it's not like it couldn't be done a different way, <clears throat> based on other constraints and other issues. It had you know the limit presented itself. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Like you know, there's more to it than just like well, we can handle anything. Um, we can handle anything within these constraints. Is really the more specific the place that you need to get to. Yeah, and specifically. Uh, we can handle anything within this amount of time. Because I think that's sort of always the big thing we're trading, at least as consultants, and certainly probably as internal teams too. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, we can build this thing, this new sign-up process over a year versus over two weeks. Right, right. And that and that really, that, that plays on any project, I think, that, that sort of time constraint. Or, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> if if it doesn't, then you're in a very super lucky place, and you should stay there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's not that's not normal. Um, I'm trying to think about a way to sort of. Um, we've talked a little bit about these issues, and especially the tech limits hitting in fairly complex situations. You know, like uh, I, I think there's there's some interesting ideas. Just understanding the more that you understand early on, the the better tech decisions you're going to make. Yeah. Um, and those tech decisions, you know, as much as we try to be, I, I think generally in, in, in our industry, we try to work in sort of agile ish ways. Um, but some of these things like making a, a choice about your tech stack, it's hard to be agile with some of that stuff. Like yeah. you're kind of, you're, you're really putting your mark down um, at a certain point in the project and you you kind of most of the time unless you have a ridiculous budget or something crazy you have to stick yeah. with it so um if you if there's something major that you that you end up missing um in the early stages of this of the project and you make a decision to go down a particular path with the technology and you realize oh man 
we really shouldn't have chosen this thing <laughs> to build this on uh, because of this weird situation that popped up that we didn't know about, but now we do, but we're, you know, two months into building this thing or whatever. We can't scrap it all yeah. because of that. I mean, so then, then you're, that just creates a domino effect of all of the other things that we have to change. We have to, you know, <laughs> adjust a flow or we have to literally change what this thing is going to target for or you know or we have to expand the budget a bunch because we need to refactor this so yeah i guess the 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 larger point is dig into that stuff and really try to think about absolutely anything that could impact the decision that you're making um and another flag to be cautious of that i've seen too is when um a a stakeholder client will come in with a particular technology stack similar Mm. or something in mind kind of this prescriptive like um I want to hire you to build me a React app. Yeah. Um, okay, that that may be the right choice, but it may also be like a very wrong choice for reasons that you may have to prove. But hearing those sorts of things, those prescriptive things coming from someone, even if they think they know the domain, like we've talked about with the users, they think they know what exactly that 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 is needed. Um, odds are that there's some things that they're not thinking of that they need help to actually sort out and yeah. make the correct decision. So that's, that's another sort of indicator that you need to start digging deeper into uh, in, into something before you start actually building. To add to that, you know, we've been framing this discussion under um, sort of the idea of, you know, custom applications. Uh, but the same is true in WordPress land. It's true in Squarespace land. Um, it's true across the board. Whatever your ideal thing is for your user, tech is going to impact it. And it's certainly going to impact the business as well, whether it's just what are the, you know, sort of business limitations we can put in place, what are the business processes we can put in place, or, you know, what is the budget to create this thing. So I, I think across the board, you're going to see these limitations um, from a technology standpoint impact the product. And the early, like you said, the earlier you know, the better. Yeah, for sure. And I'm even thinking, uh, like, this can get super granular too, even with choices that you're making to build a particular feature if you're using some sort of third-party uh, widget or package or something to help you uh, complete a particular feature or something you have to be cautious of like licensing for that thing is this a core uh, you know sort of proprietary thing that the application is doing and is bringing in some sort of third-party package to this flow have some impact on on the product itself and the light I mean I, my point is that you just you need to be cautious about this I think the really big big decisions end up being the early ones, um, but it's got to be in the back of your mind, sort of as you're building and designing um, these things throughout. You know, I, yeah. it, it just it kind of keeps circling back. And actually, you know, a lot of these things that we've talked about are end up end up in that sort of same bucket of of you sort of always need to have in the back of your mind. You need to think about these things as the project is going forward. And yeah, it's sort of a. I think products often uh, suffer from sort of this death by paper cut thing. If you take the analogy to like a restaurant. And there's very few restaurants where you'll say one particular thing made this experience terrible. It's always, here's a bunch of little things that eventually added up and I just don't want to go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. And to kind of try to wrap this up a little bit, we, we were talking before we started recording here that we'd, we, I don't think either of us had ever <laughs> necessarily experienced a, a what we would call a perfect project from, from start to finish <laughs> where just yeah. everything lined up just perfectly uh really i think the the lesson with what we're talking about here is is there are things that you can sort of cut off at the pass you know you can get ahead of some of these things um and the more of the things uh more of this information you can get 
in your hands earlier on, the more of the stuff you can, um, you know, get in front of your team early on, the, the, the more, the fewer paper cuts you're going to have at yeah. the end of the project. Yeah. And that, and that's going to make the project just more efficient. You're going to be able to work faster. You're going to be able to work easier with more confidence, um, yeah. in what you're making, um, with less, uh, like debate and inner team issues, you know, I mean, it's just the kind of the list goes on with, with, with having this information early or early on and, and just having this as like kind of the core to a project, uh, the, the impacts are just gigantic. And, and that's really what I guess the point of what we're talking about today is. Thanks for listening to another episode of Product Ship, a show about what it takes to build and design products that people love to use. I'm Zeke. You can find me on Twitter at ebinion, uh, E-B-I-N-I-O-N. I'm Matt. You can find me on Twitter at M-G-Rich, R-E-I-C-H. Listen to all of our episodes. Go to productship.fm. And then please leave us a review if you'd like on your favorite podcast app. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bon journey. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> uh, if I had a good Italian accent, I'd do. Arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs>